Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. I'll be hosting this episode. For more than 20 years, I've provided leadership and guidance in technology and software development. When I'm not networking, making connections, and trying to help out wherever I can, I follow my creative passions of graphic design and photography. Join me in this episode where I have an interesting conversation with Matt Templeton. Here we go. All right, welcome to the show. Um, Today, my guest is Matt Templeton. Matt, thanks for joining me today. And thanks for having me, Al. This is uh, this is fun. Excellent. Uh, so probably the listeners are uh, don't all know who you are, but uh, why don't you give us a little background on um, you know yourself, uh, and then maybe how you got into sort of the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, uh, let me think about how to sort of tell that story. Um, I I had no idea I was going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, it wasn't clear to me that that was that was the path uh, I was going to take. I did know a couple of things. It's sort of, you know, looking back, um, I can see maybe mattered. Uh, one of them was I, from a really early age, I, I, I loved technology. And I loved computers. Um, you know, at that time, we're sort of talking, uh, yeah, when I was in elementary, I, I, we didn't have a computer in the house. Uh, but, but at some point, somebody had given uh, me this, it was like, it was like an oversized calculator, basically. It, you know, it had a single line LCD screen, but it had a keyboard. And and what was cool about it was, is it had like a thousand bytes of memory that you could mess around with, and would you could put commands in uh, using basic language. Uh, and so I, you know, I went down to the library, and I think I got some books on how to do this, and uh, and yeah, taught myself to program on this on this little device, and you know, like. You could only look at one line at a time, line code at a time, and you know you turned it off and it wiped the memory. So you had to be kind of dedicated. But I loved it, and uh, and that was sort of the start of that love affair. And knew I wanted to do sort of computing, uh, at least through my education. And then the next thing was, I I I wasn't the kind of kid that loved rules, you know, and I, I just wanted to do things my own way. Uh, and that was um, that was what led me to sort of enroll in. Um, I think they call them like a self-directed uh, high school or something like that. It it was a, a school called Bishop Carroll, and it had no classes <laughs> for a teenager. That was the greatest thing ever for me. And uh, and then you know went into university, went to U of C. Uh, that's where I did uh, my master's, sort of focused on artificial intelligence, and. And then came out, and um, even though I had this sort of technology background, you know, was born and raised in Calgary, and uh, at that time, all the opportunities were the energy industry. Um, so that's where I ended up, but also kind of knew that, uh, you know, the big company, nine to five, having a boss tell you what to do thing wasn't really going to be a great fit for me. So uh, that's that's a good that's reason. how I sort of ended up there. I mean, I think I think there's people that know that they're going to be an entrepreneur. Uh, I think there's people that just end up sort of falling into it. And then there's people that, that do it because uh, it's the only way to kind of get done what they need done. Right. Right. So, so did you, um, come up with an idea and then find a friend or did you join sort of an existing uh, business with some other people that were just kind of getting started or how did that come about? Yeah. Great question. I, after, uh, school, you know, had to, had to put the tools to use 
And to be honest, uh, I didn't know that as much as I loved computers, I don't know that that was uh, quite the right place for me. Really, all the opportunities in this town at that time were in the energy industry. And so that's where I went. Um, and I, it served me well. It was, uh, I mean, Calgary is an exciting place. Uh, it's got its ups and downs. I don't know that that isn't actually a good thing. I think that learning to cope with those ups and downs uh, serves people well in the long run. Um, but, uh, you know, I got into, uh, that industry probably 15 years ago and, and it afforded me the opportunity, uh, to just sort of play. So I, uh, I didn't start something right off the bat. I, I sort of joined in with some business partners and our company was product development. We just sort of, uh, we got to sit around kind of inventing things, um, oh, cool. for, for 15 years and, uh, not always with a ton of strategy, not always with a lot of direction, knowing that the industry we were in and the contacts we had, um, were fruitful and, and mostly just sort of getting to play, which was, uh, a really great job and a, a great way to learn. That's right on. So, um, was there, uh, uh, a little bit, um, I mean, I imagine you're, you can tell us maybe a little bit about the, what the company did, but, um, I'm curious, sort of uh did you have sort of like a baseline of of service or something or products that you were just that was sort of like paying the bills and then you were doing research on top of that or was somebody literally paying you guys to do research and invent things uh no you nailed it with the first version of that uh so as we went along um you know if you were successful and we frequently were not uh as you are in r d uh uh, product lines would come on, uh, we would get those to market, they would uh, continue to sell, and then that paid for all further development from there. Um, what was nice, uh, it, sort of the, the dream version of it is is most of our work was sort of client driven. So you would, um, if you had a, if you had people you'd worked with before, they would often come to you with more problems. They'd sort of say, hey, we've got this issue, uh, any idea what we could do about it? Or sometimes as simple as incremental improvements, like, hey, we've got this product and it's working fine, but could you make it better kind of thing? And uh, just getting to work with them that way. And then, yeah, so it was our existing product lines that would continue to fund uh, the development of new ones. And then those just grew and grew and uh, we got to play more and more. So that's fascinating. So did, was it, um, and, I, and obviously there's ups and downs in every company, but was it m more or less kind of like, things started rolling and you guys just kept rocking it or did you have sort of like some bad years where you were, you know, struggling to keep afloat and all that kind of like you typically hear in an entrepreneurial journey? Yeah. You know, we, uh, we had, um, a few things running for us. We were, let's call it self-financed, uh, by the end, which meant we didn't have investors or debtors, uh, to work or worry about. Uh, and that makes a huge difference um, when you're not sort of worrying about the balance sheet and what your quarterly quarterly <laughs> data's are. But uh, we we were you know we were oil and gas. We had downtimes for sure. We were also quite trim. We really uh, liked the lean model, and that saved us a lot of headaches. Uh, we didn't have a ton of overhead and and tried our hardest to keep it that way and there were times we uh you know we would get too excited about something and uh invest in too hard and things wouldn't work out and you had to really dial it back we what we didn't have was um those sort of those liquidity stories of you know we've got one day's payroll left and if we'd better go to capital city and and roll the dice and see if we can make enough to keep paying right we we were fortunate enough to never quite have that story uh but we certainly i mean in Calgary for 15 years, we definitely had our ups and downs. 
I bet. I bet. Um, so are you able to comment on the name of the company? Sure. Yeah, no. Um, so we had a, we had a couple of companies uh, that we built along the way that the parent company is called Associated Research. And that's, that was uh, kind of the umbrella for all the projects we ever did uh, and whatever we'd play around with. What was exciting in the last sort of five years ish uh, was we, we were playing around with uh, some technology around um, silica dust control. And, you know, we, we sort of wrote a couple of patents and just found it. We had this amazing product market fit. It, it's that same version. You always, what you want to have happen, but usually doesn't. But uh, this time it did. And, you know, we just had clients that were sort of knocking on the door and we knew we had something. So uh, that was a chance to really build something uh, again. And that was the, the last startup was building that. And so I spent about five years sort of building that company up um, along with my business partners uh, while they were running the other companies. And, uh, and took that up to, God, I don't know, we had about 30 employees probably by the end and, um, it had its ups and downs as well, but what a wild ride. That was a lot of right fun. On. That's very cool. And then just, I guess, to leave, to leave that sort of part of the story behind, um, and just close it off. And so you have kind of an interesting situation that you're telling me about where you are kind of right now with that company and with what you're doing now. Do you want to just elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, there's, there's, I think the goal everyone sort of has in their mind, especially in the startup world is, is trying to get an exit and don't get me wrong. Like I totally get that. Uh, there's times when that's maybe not the right thing in the industry and that's not the right thing in this industry right now. So, you know, we looked at it a couple of years ago and I think, uh, I think it was a success to, to look at what we were doing and see that, actually, you know what, we didn't need me anymore. Uh, and that's a, that's a great thing, right? It, you've worked your way out of a job in, in the perfect way, right? We have um, good management in place. We've got people that know what they're doing. The processes are working and, and it's time for you to, to get out of the way of the company. And uh, so a couple of years ago, we sort of saw that that's what was happening. And I said, well, let's, let's transition me out. And this is my new world right now of I, I am operationally out of the company and uh, and this is a lot of fun. It means I am just chatting with people like you, Al, just seeing what's going on out there. The world has so much exciting stuff going on. There's so much interesting technology and ideas and and tools for helping people build them. And this is what I'm getting to do all day right now is just try to figure out, frankly, what is the next startup going to be? That's pretty awesome. So you you pretty much in your mind have uh, you're 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 exploring things and you're seeing that's what's going on. But you in your mind you're kind of like I'm going to head something else up soon. Here is that is that kind of fair? Yeah, I think that's the obvious next step. I mean, I think staying open to to different possibilities is always a good idea. But of uh, there's probably going to be another startup in the future. Uh, you know and. I think there's a few avenues to, to doing that. Um, and to be honest, I haven't actually quite figured out which one's the best one, which means that I haven't decided, which means that I'm, I'm not narrowing the focus enough, which means I'm looking at everything. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, you can sort of try to invent something from scratch uh, is, is uh, maybe one of the first ways people think about doing a startup. I think that you could probably find somebody with uh, complementary skill sets that needs uh, a partner. I think that's another way to do it. And then, you know, there's always options about, you know, taking over another, an existing business, which isn't doing a startup, but you can do a lot of the startup skills in uh, taking an existing business and, and um, improving it. Right, right. Have you, have you done any of that yet? Taking over an existing business in your 
past? No, no, I haven't. And I'll be totally honest. I actually don't think it's a good fit for me. Um, I would highly recommend it to somebody that does think it's a good fit for them. Uh, in fact, if somebody asked me what they should be doing right now, that's what I would tell them. Um, right. If you have the ability to, you know, we have uh, a huge, as if you look at the, the market, there's this massive group of people that are coming into uh, sort of a retirement age when they, they really kind of don't want to be running this thing forever. And, and frankly, most of them don't have a succession plan. I'm generalizing a little bit here, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. and would love nothing more than for somebody capable to come along and say, Hey, let me spend two years or th four years working with you, understanding how to run this thing and then slowly buying you out. I mean, I think that's probably the dream goal for a lot of small business owners out there. And it's not something that a lot of people are doing. And if you had the skill set to go work under somebody else for a few years, I mean, I can't think of a better way to do it. <laughs> right on. That's cool. Well, one thing's, you know, that, that we've known each other for a little while now and, and in the times that, that we've had a chance to get together and grab a coffee or in this case, a scotch. Cheers. Mm, um, cheers. We, uh, I've noticed that you, you, um, you, you're such a, 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 a friendly, outgoing, open-minded kind of guy. You don't seem to be dragged down by your ego. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why you've, you've seen the success that you've seen because you know, to be able to get a company going and then kind of, you know, pull yourself out of it, you know, put yourself out of a job and let people go and take it and run with it. That's, that's essentially, that's your, your baby, right? And so if you're, if you're super ego driven, you would be uh, wanting to stay in control of that. And you're kind of like, um, almost the total opposite. You're kind of like, okay, you guys got this. I'm going to go off and have some fun, which I think is really uh, a cool, uh, cool way to do things. Oh, thank you. That's uh, really nice of you to say. Um, I, I'm blushing over here. I'm glad this isn't a video. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I would, I would really caution people about uh, trying to do it that way. I think it's incredibly hard. And in fact, there's so many times you see the opposite of that, where somebody wants to be a serial entrepreneur, they have the story in their head where they're going to start all these companies, they're going to start one after another, they'll get them running and then walk away and it'll just keep making the money. Um, but they're unable to sort of let go. And I think you end up in this really bad position where you've got a person that walks in the door once every week or two, is not involved in the day to day, doesn't really know what's going on, tries to make decisions. And, and it's, frankly, this sort of negative scenario that you hear about all the time where there's the boss shows up, everyone just manages around him and tells him what he needs to hear until he leaves. And then they keep doing what they're doing. And I just can't think of a worse scenario than that. You're not adding anything to the company anymore. Um, and if, if that's what you want, you, you need to get out of the way. And once you're not in control, you really aren't, you no longer have control over the culture of your company. Uh, once you walk away. And I think you need to accept that, which is uh, tough to do. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. But culture is really everything, right? Uh, you know, when, when a company becomes successful and then the, the, the big companies come in and they want to buy it, they're buying it because of that culture. They're buying it, you know, and, and obviously in some cases they're buying it because of the customer base or whatever, but um, in a lot of cases they're buying it for that culture. And, and I've seen in numerous occasions where uh, a company will come in, buy a company because they're super successful and then try to change the culture and then everything just falls apart on them. And, uh, and I, you know, it's cool. It's cool that you recognize that. It, it, well, you know, and it, it, there's, 
there's so many great books and there's so many people that know so much about culture and and no matter how much you read uh and and you should you should read about it before you try it to be totally honest because <laughs> there's some really smart people who have said some really smart stuff about it it is shockingly hard to do and it's hard to do well and sometimes you think you're doing it and and you find out that people are just paying lip service to the things that you think are important because at the end of the day for whatever reason you haven't managed to drive it home for them too and Wow, you could you, you could spend days just talking about culture, you know. Yeah. 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 So so maybe just to put you a bit on the spot when when you think back to your your career so far and you think back to the entrepreneurial path that you've taken, what would what would be a couple of the key things that you did right and what would be a couple of the key things that you did wrong that you could sort of uh let other you know, new entrepreneurs know about to, or to watch for or to potentially see as a great thing? I don't know that we have enough time for me to <laughs> go into all the mistakes I've made. Um, <laughs> let me take on the uh, the things I've done right because it's a much shorter list. Uh, <laughs> let me think about this. Um, you know, it was, so if we're talking really early on in, in sort of the career, uh, Things that have helped me personally, and this this is going to be very specific to me, and not necessarily uh, a message that's going to uh, hit home for everybody else. But um, it was huge for me uh, as an entrepreneur when I finally sort of came to terms with, and even embraced uh, that the fact I was a generalist, uh, and and just started. Yeah, that was a huge moment uh, for me, and I think you know I remember very clearly. I remember this moment of sitting with this uh, this guy. He was a nice guy. He was this successful lawyer from Vancouver. And he was, uh, you know, giving life advice to young people, as as many of us do when we're a couple of beers deep. And he's, he's saying to me, he's like, you know, when you're smart, you can you can do anything. You can do everything if you want. and But, but don't. Like, re- resist that urge. Like, get good at one thing. Like, get really, really good at one thing, and you'll be good for the rest of your life. And you know, it's funny, I, I struggled with that message for years. Uh, I really kind of, when, when enough smart people stand up and tell you the same thing, it's important to stop and listen and, and at least consider what they're saying. And it took me a couple of years, I'd say, of considering that message and finally coming to the realization that that, that would be great advice for a young lawyer and terrible advice for me, <laughs> you know? And, um, and let me be clear, I love specialists, people that have gotten, that mastered, have really mastered one skill. I love working with those people. They are mission critical at almost every level of an organization, especially as you're growing. Uh, but there is a special place for generalists. Um, and again, let me be clear, like we can't all be generalists. The world would come to a screeching halt <laughs> if everyone tried to be a generalist. It doesn't work. But there is a special, there's a couple of special roles out there that work really well for generalists. And I think one of them is this startup ecosystem. Um, I think, again, a lot of this is personal opinion, but uh, I think if you're doing it well in a startup, you're, you're the founder or the founding team has to be intimately involved with every single thing that's going on inside yeah. inside the company you're building. And I mean, there is a slippery slope into micromanagement there that you have to manage. But um, it's it, you should know everything that's happening. And it's really tough to do that if you 
if you aren't willing or aren't interested in experiencing every little bit of the business, if you're like, oh, I don't, yeah, sales isn't my thing, so I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about it. And that can work. I mean, you hire somebody that's good at sales and you hand it off to them and then go do their thing. And you ask them once, oh, how are things going? And they say, great, maybe tell you some stuff. But if you're not, if you're not fascinated by literally everything that's happening inside your company, there, I don't remember who said this, but I, the line is delegation without follow through is abdication. And there's some real truth to that because there's so many stories out there of somebody that does that, right? They hire some, some skilled person, hand it off to them, never follow up. And the thing falls apart because they have no idea what's actually happening. They're just sort of getting the, the, the feedback that the report is, oh, everything's good, and, but they don't know. And they can't have conversations with the person about whether things are going well. They can't suggest things. I think you need to want every little bit of a company to be, to be involved in. So right. that is where, that's where generalists fly. And so it was a huge moment to, to finally accept that that was what I, what I really wanted anyway, that I, I might as well just let free on this, this insatiable thirst for learning and, and getting involved in everything. And that was going to work out really, really well in the end. And there was no strategy to it when I started doing it. I just sort of accepted that's who I was and started learning things. And it turned out that that was a great thing to have done. So that was right. huge. Right. Well, that's brilliant because um, I think that uh, as, a, as a, a leader of a company, you're going to be um, one of two things. You're going to be the visionary who can't get anything done, but comes up with a whole bunch of ideas, or you're going to be sort of the operational person who is, as you pointed out, is going to have to be uh, or should be a generalist um, who can take those visionary ideas or, and, and, and turn them into something and make sure that everybody's doing what they're doing. And uh, I think that uh, I agree with you 100%. I've been a generalist most of my life too. And the, in the, uh, the euphemism, I think, is jack of all trades, master of none, right? <laughs> and, you know, and I used to stress out because, you know, I, I had done a lot of project management through my career. And when people want to hire a project manager, they want to see nothing but the title project manager throughout your history. And the more, the more times you are a actual project manager, the more likely they're going to be wanting to hire you. Well, I was all over the map. I had done a bit of this. I'd done a bit of business analysis of it and done some software development, done some project management, done some leading of companies and stuff. And when, when you look at my resume, it doesn't scream project manager, even though I could do that job with my eyes closed. Uh, it was, you know, getting past the HR gatekeepers was almost impossible because I was too much of a generalist. And later on, when I found out that uh, my skills lie in, in more in leadership, um, that all those project management skills were a benefit to me in that I could use them to, to, you know, help people keep on track and help keep the business on track. Um, but to call myself a project manager was just not going to be appropriate. And so to, like you, I, I came to a realization at some point in my career that I'm, I'm not a project manager. I'm somebody who can do project management. And I'm more of a leader in, in an organization. Um, so. No, I agree. And I, I think one of the challenges uh, for generalists is that they don't fit nicely into some of the more traditional sort of business, I don't know, methodologies. I, not even the right word, but uh, it, it's tough. It, the HR people don't want generalist <laughs> on yeah, the resume. Yeah. And, yeah. and you look flaky 
to them. Yeah. Uh, oh, we can't stick with any one thing, right? It's yeah. not. Um, it's not valued uh, as highly sort of in some of the more traditional roles. And, and to be honest, I get it too, right? Like I don't, if I was running a 2000 person company, I don't know that I would want a generalist coming in and trying to do everything. It would take a special organizational um, system and a, and a organizer uh, person at the top uh, to recognize and put those people in the right place. And they do exist, but they're rare, you know? But you know what? I think actually, if you think about it, there is, at least one of those people in every company, because you always have that uh, secretary or receptionist or office manager or whatever that just knows every everybody, everything knows exactly what's going on. You know, you need to get a sign printed for the door. They know exactly who did, who does that and how it gets done, and they they know we're out of toilet paper. They know exactly where to go for that. Like, there's just that person that just knows everything that's going on in the company, and even the CEO comes over, and it's like. Oh, hey, Mavis, like, how, how did we take care of this? And she's like, don't worry, I'll look after it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if anyone's ever had sort of an office mom, you know you love them. <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. They are critical and, and they often get sort of, you know, singled out by the CEO at, you know, the company dinner is like, we couldn't do it without her. I don't even know, I don't even know where anything is, right? Yeah, and yeah. they are. And you know what, that actually, it's funny you bring that up because those people I find are often, um, the second thing I think that's that's important, and I'm not saying anything terribly insightful here, but uh, being a people person, right? Uh, if anything is serving, you know, I, again, Al, you know, I think you and I have uh, some similar background stuff. I've had a chance to hear you sort of talk about your story, and I'm like you, I'm I'm an introvert, I really am. Um, but uh, what's a, a say? What saved me in a lot of ways uh, from myself is that I I also just really like people and having a genuine affection for people as well as being very interested in people uh, has been huge. And and it's not just about paying dividends. It's really just quality, a way to do things. I, I love when people are doing interesting things and I just want to help them with it, you know, and that has probably been maybe the second most important thing um, to understand and embrace is that one, I am an introvert. I'm going to need alone time to, to recharge. And that's actually a great time to, to think about things and read books and blah, 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 but also understanding how important people are and, and just really enjoying spending time with them. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's definitely one thing we share. Um, and so let's just roll back to my previous question. Cause I'm not going to let you off the hook. Um, <laughs> come up with, Come up with, because all failures are uh, chances to learn. And so pick pick something that, that was was a, a big mistake you made or a, a decent sized mistake that you made that you learned something from. You know, uh, we've touched on some of them already. Um, a lot of uh, what I'm sort of saying today is born from experience of, of screwing it up. Uh, you know, when it comes to, for instance, like building culture, I, I, thought I knew what I was doing and I did not. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that after the next one, I will be like, nope, still didn't know what I was doing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you did better, but you know, like it's, um, you know, speak. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to full circle here a little bit. We talked a little bit about generalism and I think there's something that's missing from the story uh, about being a generalist, um, which is, you know, people talk about it and people that, that rave about being a generalist, it's just sort of talk about how it's great to, you know, have too many hobbies. And and mm -hmm. there's more to it than that if you, in a business sense, and you can do it that way. And that's great. And you know what, I'm, 
enjoy your passion and learn lots and lots of different things. But a little bit of strategy and a little bit of forethought uh, goes a long way. And I didn't start with strategy, but it, I, I started to see what was working and it made sense. And that was really tackling all of the different facets of business, um, you know, from accounting to finance to HR, you know, you got to learn about R&D and manufacturing and safety programs and, you know, like just legal, like there's just so many things to learn about and being halfway good at all of them really does serve you. I think when I was young, I overvalued the technical skills though. I wish I had started earlier on some of the stuff you're talking about, leadership stuff. Uh, working with people, learning how to work well with people, people that aren't you, understanding what other people are like, what matters to them. You know, all this, all of this stuff that's right now, everyone gets it. It's, there's so much literature on it. A lot of really valuable stuff. Um, I wish I had spent more time there and less time worrying about, um, you know, how engineering works. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's, uh, it showed up when I started running a company. And all of those technical skills meant nothing to people if those people didn't think you cared about them. And I did not do a good job of expressing that to people. And uh, it is absolutely something I would focus way harder on next time. Uh, and I, I should have had I should have had mentors on this, and I didn't. And I was so busy running the company that I didn't see what I was screwing up. I could see that things weren't working well, but I wasn't stepping back far enough to really see what the issues were. Um, I, I enjoy the details, and it's good to get into the details. But there's there's a lot of value in having somebody that's not looking at those. And, and I didn't take the time to do that. And so the, I did not do a good job of building the culture that I wanted. And there were times that, and again, this isn't, I'm not the first person to tell this story. There were times that I would go to work and realize that there were days I didn't want to go to the company I had built because I hadn't done a good job of building that company, you know? Right. That's very insightful. Uh, and, and that's really great. I, and on that topic, I, just because it's a total coincidence, um, I'm 26% into a book called uh, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. Great book. And uh, wow, holy moly, like so on point with what we just talked about right now. Uh, he talks about the, uh, the history of uh, Pixar and uh, some of the stuff that he'd done before that, including uh, uh, Lucasfilm uh, and stuff like that. And, and, and wow, his, his focus on the people and the culture of these companies is, is mind-blowing. And it's a really a, quite an excellent book. Uh, I'll have to link to that in the show notes to, I'll have to remember to do that because it's, it's, it's definitely ties in perfectly for, with what we're just talking about. Um, so moving on now, uh, what, what, what's in the future of Matt Templeton? What, what sort of things have you been looking at so far that's kind of piqued your interest? I am spending a lot of time right now. Uh, I'm, I'm in, to be honest, kind of this glorious place where I get to sharpen the saw uh, in a way that I always want to, but don't always have time. And what I mean by that is uh, there's always a stack of 20 books that I, I mean to read and want to read and know it would be valuable to read and just don't have time for. And I'm just tearing through those right now. And oh God, it's so great, right? Just absorbing all these thoughts that these brilliant people have and 
and and understanding how they might incorporate into something in the future and being willing to make notes and come back to them later. So I'm spending a lot of time actually uh, just chatting with people and chatting about ideas. And uh, I hope I have time to do that for a little bit longer before uh, lightning strikes and a brilliant idea comes up. But I mean, the second that happens, then everything else is on hold, right? And you, right. you get right back into it. Um, but what's been fun about that is it has changed sort of the process of looking at ideas for me. Uh, and that's something I'm spending a lot of time thinking about is how to think about ideas, how to uh, do a good job of looking at them, vetting them. Um, what's really fun right now is, let me back up for a second here. You know, we sort of talked about uh, how people end up in the entrepreneurial path. And I think one of the things that's fun right now is more and more, it feels like every day, uh, you're meeting more people and talking to more people that knew they were going to be an entrepreneur. And I think that's coming from, you know, a kid could, if a kid could answer that question today of, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? And they could say, I'm going to do a startup. And not only would their teacher know what they're talking about, their teacher would probably be like, ah, ha, ha, I'm going to call you when you're rich. Right? Like right, right. we have, <clears throat> it's, it's not just, it's, it's an acceptable career path now. It's normalized. And that means that there's people that are growing up with this idea and, and, and planning on it and getting the skills early to do it instead of just sort of haphazardly ending up there as many of us did. And what's so exciting is the tools and the knowledge that's out there at the organizations. I mean, this, this right here, you get rainforest locally, uh, we've got, platform and startup Calgary and business link and it goes on and on and there's all these people that just want to help entrepreneurs learn how to do what they're doing and there's so much information on how to do it well and uh, as somebody that never really got to read any of that or or talk to people about it or, or get the YouTube videos on or whatever right to, to be absorbing that now uh, and seeing that there is such a good system and process for doing startups that's that's written down for people now yeah. and spending a lot of time with that uh, so that the next time round, even though the experience is there, there's always more to learn. And that's the generalist, again, coming out is just uh, spending the time uh, learning stuff so that when the time comes, you've got the tools in place. Um, so, so a lot of that, I haven't really answered your question. I sort of, that's, that's what I'm doing today. If you ask me what, uh, what stuff is interesting out there, I mean, you know, my background is AI. Obviously that's, that's a thing. Uh, if anything, I worry it's almost a commodity at this point. Um, you know, biotechnology, that was always something I was really fascinated in. At the end of the day, uh, I'm going to be really, really happy if I can find something that's that's a company you could really build and not just something you could get done quick. You know, I, I want a project you can sink your teeth into. You could spend five or 10 years really making something. And if, I mean, if there's an exit earlier than that, that's fine. But like planning on doing something properly, I always worry about people that are planning on getting out in two years. I, I think that's great. I think you're optimistic. I don't know yeah. if that's how things are going to go. And I think it's good to, um, to be planning on doing something for a long time. And if you don't like it enough to do it for a long time, then that's not going to be a good project for you. And so just on the lookout for that, right? Uh, it's definitely going to be technology based. I love technology. <laughs> There's so much, so much great stuff happening out there, but am I going to build an app? I have no idea. Right. Right. 
That's awesome. Well, you're in such an awesome position. I don't know that uh, uh, there's a lot of people in the world that end up in a spot where you are, where you you can just kind of look at stuff and enjoy stuff and experience stuff and learn stuff. And I think that's that's really uh, admirable. And and quite frankly, uh, you know, I'm a little bit jealous. But <laughs> but I but I think it's great, and I look forward to uh, continuing our friendship and uh, and learning about what you uh, sink your teeth into. Um, I do have one closing question, though. I want to ask you. Um, you had talked about uh, it was it was very clear that right now you're kind of looking around and learning and enjoying everything, and then you kind of made it crystal clear that once you sunk your teeth into something, uh, that was it. You were going 100% in that direction, and everything else was going to fall to the side. And I'm curious. Um, do you think there's a, a place where that could not be the case where you could sort of uh, go forward with something in such a way where you're putting, you know, heart and soul and passion into it, but you could still maintain sort of like, are, are, are you more of, is, is Matt more of a all or nothing kind of guy? Yeah. Oh, I've spent a lot of time uh, just thinking about that exact question and where I sit today is is on the one project front. I, if you ask me about mistakes I've made in the past, um, one of them is, is trying to do too many things at once. Um, and God, you know, I love it. I miss it. I'm not going to lie. There's something really, really appealing about having 15 projects in the air and there's just your phones going off and everyone needs to talk to you. And there's so much stuff that's going on and it's just crazy. And it's a lot of fun and it's, you know, it hits the adrenaline button and it's addictive and I'm not going to lie. It's hard not to want to do it. Um, and I'm not going to say it's a mistake. I, if other people are, are capable of doing it that way, that's great. And you know, you asked about what I've been looking at. I, I recently turned down a project specifically because, uh, that's sort of the way they were doing it. And I think back to some of our earlier points, I think you get, I think if you want to do a company really, really well, like if you really want to crush it, it's really hard to do two at once it, because there is no nine to five for startups. You want to be an entrepreneur. You want to do something like you want to really blow something up. You're not, you're going home and you're thinking about it. You're still thinking about it in bed. You're thinking about a bathtub. You're thinking about it on the bus. You are always thinking about it. And it's really hard to be thinking about multiple things at that level of depth. And right. what I've learned is, I can run 15 projects and I, I think other people are the same. So this isn't just about me. I think people can run 15 projects at a time and do it fine. But if you want to do it amazing, I think you need to go all in. Right. Right. That's a great closing remark. I think that's awesome. Um, thank you, Matt, for joining me today. I think this is a fantastic episode. I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, the feedback on this one. I think it was great, great fun. Thanks for joining me. Al, I always just enjoy chatting with you. It's it's unusual that we're recording at this time, but other than that, this is mostly just what you and I do over coffee. So thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this too. Excellent. All right. Take care. Uh, cheers. And we'll talk to you soon. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode is sponsored by Capturing Legacies, because everyone has a story, and Capturing Legacies is here to help you tell it. 
Visit CapturingLegacies.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.